0: Well, hi, friend, and welcome back to The Messy Table, an ordinary space where we can show up, maybe grab a cup of hot coffee, and remember that God is actually at work in our mess. So if we haven't yet had the chance to meet, my name is Jen Jewell, and it is an honor to host this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which happens to release a fresh perspective into your world and your speakers every other Tuesday which happens to be partnered with the women of my church life church, which happens to be a big time fan of the version Bible app. God's word literally in our back pockets for free wherever we go. And so beyond that, we are just really grateful to lock arms with incredible women like you in your sometimes magical, but often ordinary life. Because we all need reminders of what's true and we all need a shot of encouragement and hope And so right now at this moment, whether you're driving or working or out for a run, whether you're joining us on your lunch break or spicing up those everyday tasks like scrubbing dishes or folding laundry, I am honestly glad you're here. And today I have a really fun guest joining me. Amy Cipher is darling, first of all, and also super down to earth, passionate about knowing God and making Him known. She's a wife and mom who has learned the necessity of leaning into grace. And she also has some fancy titles like author, speaker, Bible teacher, fellow podcaster, who really just shares out of the overflow of what God's done and what He's still doing in her own heart. Y'all, she has a book and Bible study called Starved coming out on March 21st because so many women, so many Christians even, are feasting on things with no nutrients, no real nourishment. And we've all been there. We can all fall into the trap. So many of us are starving for the good stuff but there is a better way that is biblically anchored and really the key to flourishing. And so grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join me for a chat with Amy. Well, Amy, hello, and welcome to The Messy Table. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me. I feel messy, so this is a good table to be at. (laughs) I'm so excited that this is working. We had to reschedule once because you were sick. Yes. And then today I have kind of a cold and my kids are on day two of a snow ice day. So I told them no dribbling the basketball. So (laughs) I think... I think we're ready. <laughs> These are the rules. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, will they be followed? That's the question. You know what? They'll do their best, right? It's the messy table. It's fine. Right. <laughs> Is it okay that I say that you had COVID? Oh, for sure. A couple of weeks ago when we had to reschedule. No shame in that game. Yeah. So you were telling me right before this that you lost your taste.
1: It feels like someone's pranking me. Like, I have a favorite cracker. I'm gluten free and the nut thins, the pecan nut thins specifically. Ooh. I know. I put it in my mouth and I was like, wait, what? What's happening? It tasted like cardboard with like a hint of salt. Yeah. And I kept trying, I kept eating them. And I think so many people can relate. Yes. I'm like so sad. Now it's like, texture comfort food? Like what kind of (laughs) texture do I want in my mouth? Exactly. Did this happen to you?
0: It happened to me. So I lost it for a while and then it came back weird. Like at first it was real salty. Yes. And then it mostly came back, but even, I hate to tell you this, I don't think I've had like a long COVID overall, but as far as like peanut butter, which I used to love, I cannot stand the smell or the taste. Like what? Chocolate, which is, you know, my main food group. Yes. It's weird. And coffee, I still like coffee, but it just tastes odd. So. Oh. I don't know. It's so bizarre. Sometimes I'll eat something and I'm like, Wait, this isn't what it normally tastes like.
1: (laughs) I had, so I'm still making dinner and I'm like, how's the soup, everyone? And they just think it's hilarious because I'm like, well, it's warm
0: water. Like, okay. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to know. Yes. It makes you insecure about your own cooking because you're like, I mean, is this terrible or is this (laughs) just me? It'll come back, I'm sure. Sure. I'm sure it will. (laughs) Right. Right. Trust in Jesus. (laughs) Yes. That's right. All right. Well, Amy, we want to know everything about you, but let's start with the basics of who you are, who you love, and just what you're all about.
1: Yeah. So I am a wife, mom, a writer, author, speaker, Bible teacher. I mean, how many houses (laughs) could we name? And yeah, I was on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ
0: called Crew for 15 years. I loved Crew in college. I went to Oklahoma State.
1: Same. I was hooked and I thought, how can I do this? Like, let's go. So I had the privilege of being the team leader for about eight years and just trying stuff, trying to bring the gospel to sorority men and women in a variety of different Spaces it was hilarious and fun. And then I came on staff with my church for about seven years, had babies in there, and then recently stepped off because speaking and writing, it just has taken a, a lot of time. And God is calling me to travel a bit
0: because my kids are in a good spot. I love how you were like, oh, I had babies in there somewhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, like no big deal. Uh, yeah, no, like life changing events, right? Yeah. So that's a little bit about me. I love tennis. I love chocolate that I cannot taste. I'm with you. I hope it comes back. Man surely, surely it, will. it will. Yeah. That's a little bit about me.
0: I love it. Okay. So now how old are your kids?
1: They are. So I have a sophomore who just started driving. <gasps> I know. I was like, wait, wow. I mean, it's a whole new territory of trust, like a kid behind a wheel. And then I have a fifth grade girl and then,
0: um, so it's boy, girl, boy, and then a third grade boy. So you're in kind of this like teen tween
1: elementary, yeah, and getting up there world. I will have three kids in three different schools next year, and I'm like, okay, you'll just be like a story problem. Mm -hmm. at this time, and
0: like my fifth grader has been calling me bro. (laughs) What's happening? Yeah, (laughs) bra. I'm like, "Mm, you're cute, but have you seen that sweatshirt that says that? It's like mom, mommy, mama, (laughs) bra. I
1: need one. I don't know. I have a soft spot for the boys. There's teen boys are hilarious to me. I'm
0: like, okay. (laughs) Okay. Well, the reason we're here is because we all know that life can be messy, but even despite just our mess and our sin and our selfishness and all the things, God is always faithful. I don't know how he does it, but we would love to hear a piece of your backstory and just how he's shown up in your mess.
1: Well, this, this actually has was the catalyst to my book coming out. But four years ago, my oldest son, who calls me "bro," <laughs> when he was 11, he started to lose weight rapidly. My neighbors were like, hey, uh, Robbie's looking a little thin, you know, saying some different things. I'm like, oh, he's going through a growth spurt. He's fine. And Over the course of Mm -hmm. about six six to eight weeks, he lost 15 pounds. And we were trying to figure out what's going on. And he had a lot of stomach pain, just pain. And finally, after tests and blood work and all the things, he was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. Mm. I did not know what that was, but now I'm an expert. And that started just an entire upside down world of changing everything in our pantry and our refrigerator and our freezer. And that really was pivotal because I felt like not only did my son need a diet change, a physical diet change, but I felt like the Lord was like, Amy, you need a spiritual diet change. Like mm-hmm. I was spending so many nights on Google researching how do we put Crohn's into remission. I was replaying Mm -hmm. my fears. I was just really kind of nursing my fears at night. And there was just a lot of things I was running to, including my own self-sufficiency. Like I have to fix this. That was really starving my soul and brought me to a really low place. Mm
0: -hmm. And I get that as a mom, you feel like I need to provide for my kid. I need to help him figure this out.
1: Yes. Where you're thinking, well, if who... If his mom doesn't, who's going to, right? And I really felt like the Mm -hmm. Lord say, I am your shepherd. Mm -hmm. I will shepherd you through, but you have to come to me. Like you have to put your scrolling down and come to me. And so... Yeah. That felt like the messiest, hardest, darkest time. My husband and I would fight about how to navigate these waters. We felt like we were putting a lot of our energy into our oldest son and neglecting our younger two. I mean, talk about mess. So Mm -hmm. yeah, we learned
0: a lot. And changing your whole diet. I mean, that's a mess in itself. Yeah. So what were things that you were trying to cut out?
1: Yeah. So any inflammatory foods. We found a diet called the specific carbohydrate diet, which meant for inflammation to be gone. No starch, no sugar, no grains. Essentially, I don't know if you're familiar with Daniel Walker, Against All Grain. She has a cookbook.
0: Yeah. So that's a big change. Some of the fun stuff,
1: unfortunately. All of it, yes. and Like don't go to Italy.
0: (laughs) Actually though, I'm like, man,
1: I hear people who have intolerances overseas do well because they don't have their stuff in there.
0: Right, because they don't have the junk in it.
1: They don't have the junk in it, yeah. So, you know, learning to bake with honey as the only sweetener. I mean, there were just so many things that I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I felt at the end of myself constantly. Mm -hmm. I'm just really a new, a new place of desperation in our life. Did it help him? Yes. I will tell you. By day three of his diet, he had zero pain. Day three. Day three, no pain. That drastic. That drastic. And then eight weeks into the diet, yeah, the second month, he had gained the 15 pounds back. He played two sports that fall. He has been in remission since we started the diet four and a half years ago um, with a few flare-ups that we were able to just turn back around. The diet is strict, but man, it's really
0: healing for Crohn's disease. hmm And it sounds like that a lot of your family, you all kind of made somewhat of a switch.
1: We did make a big switch there. I will tell you though, there's still Oreos in my pantry to be (laughs) sure. (laughs) But yes, um, dinner took on a whole new, you know, we all have the same protein and different sides. And yeah, it's been a puzzle we've had to figure out over time, but I remember those first six weeks of the new diet. I was crying in the kitchen, shopping and making vegetables. We're making our own yogurt. We're making our own cashew milk. I'm making my own applesauce. We found a lot of different things, but I'm like, I think I'm spending two hours in my kitchen. Like (laughs) life just kind of stopped as it does when there's a diagnosis that turns your life upside down
0: so fascinating. We've had a couple of different women over the years on this podcast talking about a child with some kind of allergy or diagnosis and having to change their diet. And man, so much of that falls on mom. Yes. And I want to dive into this more. We fully need to surrender and rely on the Holy Spirit. But then he also hasn't called us to do nothing. It's him in us. And so, I mean, how did I guess he sustain you through all of that?
1: Well, there were moments where I wasn't sleeping and I was really overwhelmed. And I knew that a lot of it was the constant scroll trying to find answers. And I remember reading a pretty pivotal book from James Bryan Smith. He has the Good and Beautiful series. And he talked about practicing five minutes of silence, just getting trying five minutes of silence a day. Mm. And I remember thinking, I can't do that. I can't stop. I have so many things to do. But we were trying this with our church. And I remember sitting there for five minutes. And I would say the first few minutes, I felt like a cat that couldn't find her nap spot. You know, like I'm like <laughs> turning all around and. (laughs) grocery list fly and all the things. But then my whole self settled in, in those last two minutes. And I felt like God said, I'm running the world. Mm. Rest in me. You need to replenish your energy. You need me to restore your soul. Again, Psalm 23 really shepherded me to
0: stop and practice peace Mm -hmm. as hard as it was and feel like I couldn't do it. Okay, so you said this whole experience kind of inspired this new book, Starved, that you have coming out super soon. Why we need a spiritual diet change to move us from tired, anxious, and overwhelmed to fulfilled, whole, and free. It's quite a subtitle. (laughs) I I want that. It's quite a promise. (laughs) Yes, Starved is the actual title. So it's not the whole long title. But man, so I would love to know more about this experience and then what this book is all about. Maybe just some little nuggets along the way of things that you've learned.
1: Yeah. I mean, just really paralleling seeing when we changed things for my son and the health that came and thinking some things need to change in my life, you know? And so just seeing that, that, that call to some new practices. I even just want mm-hmm. your listeners to hear this isn't a call to now add things to our plate, but to look at the plate we actually have and think what's starving me and mm-hmm. what can I take off and replace? That's good. So meal replacements, really thinking, you know, the anxious, overwhelmed and tired. That's how I felt in this process. And those three concepts of thinking, how do we move? How do we practice moving away from those things? What does that look like? For me, a lot of it was just small changes, silence, Sabbath, solitude, but even changing the narrative running in my head. This isn't necessarily related to the diet experience, but shame can really starve our soul. Mm. The stories that we've had over the years of shame, things that we've done or have been done to us. And what does it look like for us to take those shame stories and say,
0: God, would you pour your beloved compassion upon those? and change the narrative that I have going on. So I'm guessing you had a narrative going on in your head that was just on repeat.
1: Yes. I've had a lot of narratives, yay therapy, that <laughs> it's, um, and in my life and, and untangling those for sure. I think so often my shame can come from I'm not you know, from perfectionism, but often digging deeper to see like, wait, is that some sort of shame managing method is trying to keep everything perfect. What's under that. And for me to just be vulnerable and honest, there was sexual abuse in my childhood. And so to add a layer Mm -hmm. of perfectionism, like in hopes of not being rejected again and being accepted, but that's an exhausting way to live. And I felt like God said, yeah, shame is starving you. I have a better story for you Mm -hmm. and Luke 15 and the description of the father that Jesus told us with his good storytelling. I mean, that has brought immense healing that has moved the needle for me in amazing ways to bring
0: wholeness back to my life. It's so interesting to think about this whole idea of meal replacement. Because I think there are so many things that we are accustomed to that we don't even think about. You mentioned these shame narratives. You mentioned scrolling. I think we can definitely fill ourselves up with things that aren't going to satisfy or we we think that they will, right? Like we run by and get a Starbucks Frappuccino before (laughs) lunch and then we're not hungry for lunch. And so it feels okay in the moment. Until 4 p.m. And then you're like hangry and starving and yelling at people.
1: Exactly. In fact, that's one of my favorite passages in Isaiah 55 in the message.
0: About Starbucks? Well, close. I'm just
1: kidding. He says, why do you spend your hard-earned money on food that does not satisfy? Why do you spend your cash on cotton candy? And just that idea of, you know, when you go to a state fair and you eat cotton candy and it's like delicious going down and then an hour later, yeah, yeah, all that. Funnel cakes. And it's like yummy for a minute. And then later you're hungry, you're tired, you're sluggish. You're like, that cotton candy is not cutting it. And this steady diet that is actually malnourishing us. It's true. The shame, the scrolling, the noise, like running to my screen. You know, my pastor had this phrase that said, how often do we seek salvation through validation, looking for those likes and those comments on social media, wanting that validation, wanting to feel whole. And God just saying, put down the phone for long periods of time, my daughter, and come to me, sit with me. I want you to receive my love simply when you breathe, not when you're hustling and producing and perfecting.
0: That's not not who you are. Yeah, that's so good. It makes me think of Adam and Eve in the garden. Whenever she was tempted by the fruit, it wasn't the rebellion that was tempting to her. It was because it was beautiful and it looked delicious and she thought it was going to give her wisdom. Yes. And so you keep mentioning scrolling and screens. And I think everybody can relate. This is the world that we're suddenly living in, but it's still relatively new when you think of all of human history and how <laughs> yeah. this truly is brand new. And it's kind of a social science experiment, which is scary. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I think most of us, we're not going to social media to be like, oh man, I want to go fill up on things that aren't great for me it's more like, hey, I want to see what my friends are doing. I want to be in the know. I want to share whatever's going on in my life. I want to learn. So there's so many good things. But then in the process, I don't know about you, you can speak to your experience. But in the process, just the more scrolling I do, the more dissatisfied I am, or the more frustrated I am. And then I'm frustrated that I've just been sitting there looking at other people's lives instead of living my own. And so it is this cycle. I don't know. Can you relate?
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's three research that has come out in 2021, that the average American looks at their phone 344 times a day. And so that's a lot. I wonder even what if even a fourth of the time, instead of looking at other people's lives, we replace that scroll with Psalm 23 and just let God shepherd us to whatever is going on in our soul. Because it's clear that it says he restores our soul. So we need some restoration. From the comparison game, and I think some distraction seems like it can be healthy at points for some grounding, but so easily your distraction this habit-forming situation with your phones. Right. Yeah. And so what does it mean to replace that? You know, before I hop on social media, what's my commitment to feeding my soul with things that nourish it, right. to sitting in Psalm 103 and thinking about God's compassion for a little bit? To setting a timer, like, hey, I'm gonna look for 10 minutes and then I'm gonna move on, you know, some boundaries
0: because it, these things are starving us. Cause we're not saying just throw it out altogether. We're not saying you can't have dessert right. after dinner. We're saying exactly. dinner first. You're gonna be hungry. <laughs> yeah. And don't eat dessert constantly yes. for every Love meal. That. Even as you're talking, I can just feel myself thinking through my life and just the things through multiple conversations recently where I'm just like, okay, I desire to honor God. I think anyone listening to this podcast today, like we want to seek the Lord. We want our lives to count. We want to pursue meaning and not just the worthless things of this world. And so I think we're on board with that. But then we truly can get hung up. And a lot of it is, you know, the enemy that's behind it. Because what's the saying? He doesn't have to make you bad. He just has to make you. What's the saying?
1: Maybe apathetic or numb. Something like that. Yeah. (laughs) You just have to be distracted, basically, is what I'm saying. Yes, I think that's it. Yes.
0: And so I love the meal replacement verbiage. I feel like that's super helpful for me.
1: And when you think about if you're trying to eat healthier, you usually need to have a plan. You can't be like, well, I hope that I get some carrots and apples today. (laughs) Need to make a plan of like, I will put these vegetables or fruits
0: on my plate. I'll buy them at the store, first of all.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I'll write it down on my list. You know. So what does it look like to make a plan to nourish our soul? And I mean, that's where even the gift of that our family has worked on practicing the last 15 years and taking a whole day to rest and not make a to-do list and to practice feasting with friends and ceasing the need for productivity and embracing others in our family and really planning that Sabbath not as a command that is a burden, but as a gift given to God
0: to trust Him. Right,
1: That's been huge for us too.
0: Absolutely. What would life look like if we all actually took a Sabbath one day a week?
1: It is life changing. I always think I can get through these six days because Sabbath is coming. Like I am watching a beautiful movement of books and pastors moving toward the spiritual disciplines and the practices. And that's what Starved is. It's talking through these things. And I'm, I'm loving it because real rest and restoration does happen when we stop and we are doing some space making mm. activities to hear God. Just the other day, I was thinking, I asked, I called down to my kids to ask them something and they could not hear me. And I thought, what's going on? Oh, because they had headphones in, they were only listening to what was in front of them. It's like, we need to
0: take the headphones off mm-hmm. so we can hear God talk to us. I love that you said space making. Like <laughs> something about that gets me excited. It's like, yes, yes, I love space. And I actually sometimes love, don't tell anyone, but canceled plans. Oh, same. Yes. It's so nice to have a little extra space because no matter how much I plan to be done at this time or be ready at this time, things always take longer than you think. And then you're always trying to catch up. And there's just never as much margin as you want there to be or need. Yeah, actually.
1: Yeah, it does. Sundays, which is when we Sabbath feels like, a day of margin. And we really try to be limited on the plan Mm -hmm. and depending on the season, what that day of rest looks like for us. I love it.
0: Yeah. So I'm sure it looks different week to week, but what does a typical Sabbath look like for you? Like, what are some things that you do that are life-giving? So it's um, a church day for us. So we
1: go to church together as a family. And it's great because we really try to not and when I submit our kids' schedules to the sports teams, I really tell them Sundays. Like we do not want games on Sundays and mm-hmm. by and large that works. So I love lingering at church and feeling like we don't have anywhere to go. I mean, our stomachs are getting hungry, but just coming home, I always try to nap. Since my babies were babies and napping, I would nap too and wake up with that drool Um on my cheek and it was just (laughs) restorative. And then trying to get outside in some way, even when it's 10 degrees and freezing in Ohio, to get outside and be among nature and really take the time to take a walk, um, play something. I think playing is restorative. Adults have forgotten how to play. True. Yeah. We just try to build in some different things. Maybe we'll have people over and just enjoy their presence or maybe we just need to not. We really try to walk with the Spirit and not create a lot of rules, but embrace the heart of this is a day yes. that we acknowledge God provides
0: for us. Is it hard for your kids to adopt that mentality as well? Or since they see it and live it out, it's just something that they look forward to as well?
1: Yeah. You know what? I think it depends on the age and the stage of the kiddo. Just last Sunday, my youngest is enjoying the Percy Jackson series. And so I read out mm-hmm. loud. My whole family was on the couch together with a big like U-shaped couch. I read Percy Jackson out loud where the teenager is listening, my husband, everybody for two hours (laughs) and we had warm cups of, you know, like hot cocoa and tea and I couldn't stop smiling because I was like, we're reading, like we're in a log cabin with no electricity or something, you know, like it just, I find that if I start reading, they just come.
0: They'll come and listen. Yeah.
1: Yes. (laughs) We're big readers.
0: Maybe I need to do that again. I used to read out loud. Yeah all the time. We did all seven books in the Narnia series out loud with all the voices. It was so great, but I feel like they're getting to the ages now where they don't always, it was especially my oldest, you know, she would just rather read on her own, but maybe I just need to start reading reading out loud and see if they come. (laughs) They might be like, mom, what are you doing in here by yourself? I
1: know, but I was so encouraged. My son had, my oldest had read the series before, but he's like, it's nostalgic. I like hearing you read. I was like, this is the
0: best. Obviously, you write about a lot of this in your book. What other wisdom can you share of things that just God has really taught you personally, taught your heart?
1: You know, I talk about anxiety in the book and moving from replacing anxiety with peace, as if it's really easy. But we talk through some things to do. And one of the things that I felt like God continues to speak to me about, the Greek word for anxiety is mirameo, which means to be divided and torn apart as if I'm in one spot, say I'm in my kitchen, but my brain, I'm divided. I'm thinking about where my son is at school and the choices that he's making, or I'm divided and I'm thinking about some past regret and things that I've said before, you know, like I feel divided. And God has really shown me through the Greek word of peace, which is Irene, which is taking that as which is divided. And finding it back together. Mm -hmm. And so I've often prayed, Mm -hmm. God, I feel divided. I feel anxious about these things. Please wrap me in your peace. Make me whole and present right here, right now, so that I can do the good work you have for me in front of me today. And I can trust you with this future problem or this past regret. That's good. I feel like God has taught me that prayer. Make me whole and present and wrapped in your peace right here. So that's been a practice.
0: Amen. You keep mentioning the word practice. I like that. So you've put some new things into practice that have really made a difference.
1: Yeah, and I like the word practice because it says that we're not finished. We don't have it together. It's something you will be working at, and that's
0: good. Which is always funny when you hear a doctor talk about that, that's why they call (laughs) it
1: practice. Can you get (laughs) it right now? Like first time, is that...
0: I heard someone talking about recently, I don't remember who it was, but they were talking about anxiety just to piggyback on what you were talking about with anxiety. And obviously the topic of anxiety is so, it's so layered. And so this is just one little nugget, but they were saying that a lot of our anxiety can stem from different things, right? Lots of different things, whether it's stress, regret, worries about the future that really we shouldn't be worrying about, but we are anyway. But there are some anxieties that we can actually work, obviously, with God inside of us to heal, to fix. And so the example that this person was giving was that if the anxiety is stemming from a conversation where you gossiped, then you might need to call somebody and say, you know what? I was really wrong to do that. Will you forgive me? Or maybe some of the anxiety is coming from a broken relationship that you need to start taking steps to work towards healing. And so I thought that was really good and practical because obviously there's some things that we cannot control and we just have to surrender to God, pray about, work on letting go, work on giving it to Him. But there are some things that I think can weigh, at least for me in my own personal life, can weigh me down. And really there are things that I could do to take those steps towards healing, but sometimes I don't want to.
1: I love that you brought that up. Sharon Hottie Miller's book, she talks about the idea of anxiety that we are given agency. And so what agency do we have to solve this problem with God? And that's a James Bryan Smith. I mentioned him before. He talks about in the morning, what does it look like to list out everything you're anxious about for the day? Like here's everything I, I, from what are we having for dinner to a choice my teenage son is going to make and then writing next to it, God, what can I do to remedy this and make a plan? Like, okay, I can call the doctor. I can have this conversation. I can ask a mom who's been here. And then anything else that you look and you're like, I can't do anything. That's when you write the prayer out to
0: God and say, God, I need you to move. That is so good and super helpful. My pastor just this past weekend was talking about that there's kind of these polar opposites, myths that aren't fully true that we can fall into. So either it's all on me, right? If I want it done, then I got to do it all. Or it's all on God. Like I just can sit back on the couch and just wait because I'm trusting that God's going to do it. And yes... I know some people have good intentions with that, but really it's God inside of us. And so I love what you were just saying about, okay, what can I do? But then also what do I need to fully trust him to do?
1: Yes, that partnership, like God wants to work with us and do it with us. I love that.
0: So how do you see the church, like the global church at large being spiritually starved?
1: Yeah, I am I mean, I am seeing, I think we're all seeing there's a lot of division there's a lot of fear and anxiety. I think there's a lot of self-sufficiency where just like you were saying, I need to do this. And so I'm work, I'm exhausted. I'm overworked. I'm running hard. I just love the call over and over that God makes from the garden where he says, where are you? Calling Adam and Eve back to him, to Jesus saying, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. The simple, God, I'm coming to you because I I've been relying on myself or I have been prideful and I've wanted to elevate myself above this person or this people group or whatever the call is to humble myself and say, we need to come to you, God. This is what we have to do. I think we're starving
0: for the presence of Jesus, honestly. Yeah, I feel that. And as you're talking, I mean, it's very clear. And from, you know, listening to you at other times, it's very clear that you are grounded in the word. And so I think that's really important for people to come back to you that we can do all these other things and still be starving. Like you're saying, if we are not sitting in the presence of God and truly being satisfied by Him alone, then we're still going to be starving, even if we're putting relatively decent things in our body or um, not being fully distracted. But if we're not, having that mill replacement be the word of God, the spirit of God, then we're still going to be malnourished.
1: Yeah, I can't get over what God's word will. It'll take a lie and show me what is actually true and give me a confidence that is different than I had a few minutes before. His word is so strong like that and beautiful and transformative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, being in his word is huge.
0: Are you uh, someone who loves to like first thing in the morning, open up your Bible? Are you uh, on the go? I want to listen to my Bible. How do you dig into God's word? Oh, man, it's been different seasons.
1: Like when I was in the kitchen for weeks on end trying this diet, I I was listening to God's word. I do like to get quiet in the morning and to read it and really fight for that. And then I've been trying to do a midday. I work from home. And so before my kids come home, I try to just find a psalm before they walk in that door to recenter me and to ask the spirit to fill me up
0: to be a compassionate mom. That's good. I'm going to start doing that. I'm gonna, like set an alarm on my phone. Yes,
1: just for a minute. Like, Lord, fill me because I could be tempted to see my good gifts of children as interruptions to my day because I like to get things done and they are not interruptions. These are my best yeah. disciples possible right. that God has given
0: me. So since you have kind of had this revelation with your son's diagnosis and really been inspired to seek the things that are truly going to satisfy, what difference have you noticed?
1: I think I've noticed a shorter period of time between when i am anxious or overwhelmed to saying i can trust god here so i think i would distract and do a million different things to try to, to try to get there instead of being The the time is getting shorter to stopping and saying, oh, I'm like practicing self-sufficiency versus like humility and saying, God, I need you to do something. So quicker
0: response time kind of.
1: Yes. Yes. And it's getting shorter or practicing praying with friends, you know, calling a friend and saying, hey, I just, will you pray with me about this right now? At first it was weird in a few of my friendships and now we love it because just seeking God together
0: for five minutes, we just need him. And how did you get through that awkwardness? Because I do think that would stop some people from starting that practice would be, is it going to be awkward? Am I going to be weird?
1: You know what? It was one of my friends that started to do this. She said, my mom, would. she would be annoyed by her mom who would like stop and say, I'm going to pray for you right now while they're talking. She's like, no, I just want to vent. But then she loved it. And so she, we started ending our phone calls with praying. And then we just started calling and being like, you got to pray for me like right now. Like I'm about to walk into a meeting.
0: I have five minutes, just pray for me. Like go, just pray,
1: you know? like." <laughs> So yeah, it was my friend that kind of led the way on that. I was like, oh, yeah.
0: And obviously for anyone listening, as we talk about like putting these different practices into play and maybe our response time going to God quicker, we're not saying that this is going to be perfect. Obviously, we still live in a broken world. We're still sinful people. It's never going to be 100% perfect. It's going to be messy until he comes back and redeems all things. Yes, But he did come to give us life and life abundant. And I think that there's so many times that we are not tapping into what he's made freely available.
1: Yes. I think about him in John 7 when he stands there on the last day of the feast. And he says, come to me. If you are thirsty, living waters will come from within. And he was talking about the spirit and mm-hmm. thinking, I have the spirit within me. All these things are coming up from the outside. I just need to stop in the middle of my kitchen and say, God, would you give me a perspective shift right here. Would you give me wisdom? Would you help me calm down? <laughs> would you help me to be
0: kind to my kid? You know, like within we have the spirit. Right. Okay, so we'd love to share resources here at The Messy Table. Obviously, your book, Starved, Everybody Needs to Pre-Order. By the time this comes out, I think we'll still be pre-ordering, but it comes out when? March? March 21st. Yeah. Yes. So exciting. There's this book and a Bible study, if I'm correct. Yes. I'm so excited about this Bible study. It's my first Bible
1: study. And since being a new version teacher and contributor, I've longed to write a study. So I take six practices and we dive deep into them. And there's like part of the Bible study is like, we're going to practice five minutes of silence a day this week and see what we find. Let's experiment with God. And then there'll be um, there's ten minute video videos that go to
0: start each week. So I am really excited about this. Okay, what are the six practices? Not to put you on the spot.
1: <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, what are they? Okay, um, we talk from anxiety to peace. So we talk about silence and Sabbath. One of the practices is seeing the Amago Day and every person you meet for a week, like saying to yourself, "This is an image bearer. This is an image bearer." What are the other practices?
0: Prayer and Bible reading. I love it. Okay. So any other great resources other than your own that you want to share?
1: Yeah. You know what? Um, Richard Foster's Celebration of Discipline, he talks about spiritual disciplines and they're so good, really helpful just practices that I referenced and starved. Um, And then I would say the Good and Beautiful series. There's the Good and Beautiful God, the Good and Beautiful Community and The Good and Beautiful, I forget the third, but the author is James Brian Smith and he studied under Dallas Willard.
0: Okay, you've mentioned him multiple times. I know Dallas Willard, so awesome.
1: Yeah, he studied under him and it's almost like he takes Dallas Willard's thoughts and really helps the people who aren't quite as smart up there. Helps
0: the <laughs> peasants out, <laughs> like me.
1: Exactly, hello, <laughs> this is for me. Yeah, I just love him, I love him. He's a pastor and a professor and I've learned so much from those books.
0: Okay, well, I could talk to you forever. But as we wrap up, is there any final thought, any word of encouragement, any word of advice that you just really want to share with whoever might be listening right now?
1: Yeah, I would say... Friend, if you're feeling spiritually malnourished, you're not alone. This is not a call to now, I don't need to eat again, but we are, need to choose what to eat to be nourished and to start simple. Put your phone down, practice silence. I even wanna free somebody that maybe they think putting worship music in their earbuds and going for a 10 minute walk in nature isn't prayer, but it is. Let worship wash over your soul to give you a new nourishing narrative. Yeah, I would say I'm cheering for you and
0: to keep practicing in simple ways. Awesome. Thank you for your time and sharing your wisdom. It means so much. And we're grateful.
1: Thanks for having me. This has been wonderful.
0: All right. Well, like we mentioned earlier, Amy's book and Bible study will launch on March 21st. But if you're interested, you can actually pre-order right now on Amazon. And in just a couple of weeks, it'll be a happy mail day right there on your front porch. And so those resources, as well as others we mentioned, are all linked up in the conversation notes. And if you're not already, you can stay in the loop by connecting with us on Instagram at The Messy Table Podcast, by subscribing to this podcast for free, however you like to stream, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. And as you head back into your week and into your world, don't forget that yes, Life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.